0: The following audio is from Norris Ferry Community Church. More information about Norris Ferry Community Church is available at org. All right, so we pick up in Romans 3, 1 through 8, and um, these are some very challenging passages as we have been seeing, and last week we we uh, looked at another difficult passage. But I want to just remember where we've been in the in the letter of Romans so that we don't Forget the the flow of the letter, because that really helps uh, us understand the text. Um, If you remember where we've been, in one sixteen and seventeen, he presents his theme. This is the main thesis of the rest of his book. That I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of salvation to everyone who believes. So salvation is found in the gospel to everyone who believes the gospel, they are saved. For in the gospel, the righteousness of, of the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. The righteous man shall live by faith. And then he goes into this verse 18, chapter 1, 18 and following, and it's, it's depressing for, for, for a while here. It's going to be depressing, but the point that Paul is doing is he, un, he wants to put us all in the same boat. He wants us to understand that we're all in the same category. Because when Paul writes this letter, if you read through all the letters several times, you start to get a feel for some things that he's addressing. And one of the main things he's addressing is that when when we think we're made right with God through anything other than faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, then there becomes categories and statuses of believers or unbelievers, and there becomes judgmentalism and condemnation and and criticism, and infighting. And he's dealing with that by, first of all, saying, listen, see, what he's, what he's going to ultimately say is, you guys should all be on mission sharing this gospel, but instead of being on mission sharing the gospel, you've got some internal problems going on, and it's because you don't even understand the gospel. And so he's going to put us all on level ground. And that's what he's been doing for the last three weeks. Is He's just been knocking our legs out from under us, putting us all in the same level ground. The point of this, of this text today is in verse 8. Look at the very last three words, or four words. Their condemnation is just. That's the point. And basically, let's go reviewing. In one eighteen and following, he was talking to the atheist or the agnostic, or the irreligious, that person who says, I don't believe in God, I don't care about God, I'll live how I want to live, don't tell me how to live, and they are suppressing the obvious truth that there is a God to be worshipped with their lives of gratitude, and in their suppression of that truth, it just leads to ungodliness, ungodliness, celebration of ungodliness, and God is saying their condemnation is just. And then the next week, he came to those moralists who who clearly see their condemnation as just, that those wicked, ungodly people deserve to be condemned, but they don't see their own deserving of, of condemnation because they think I'm better than him. I'm better than them. They they use a faulty standard of measure. Instead of measuring themselves against the perfection of Christ, they measure themselves against someone less moral than them. And so they Paul's message to them was their condemnation is just. The atheist and the the, uh, the uh, what was I calling them? Thank you, the moralist. Someone's listening. I appreciate that. The atheist and the moralist, and then he moves to the religious. He says to the religious people who were born in a religious home, born and raised in a religious, let's use Christian. He's saying you were born in a Christian family. You were baptized with a Christian baptism. You know the Christian scriptures. You've memorized the Christian scriptures. You've planted a Christian church. You've preached the Christian scriptures. That'll make you a Christian. Your condemnation is just. Well, why don't they make you a Christian? Because Christ makes you a Christian, not that other stuff. And so he's been putting us all on level ground. All of us are condemned, unrighteous, apart from our faith in Christ. And he says that God's condemnation of us is just. And why is he saying this? Because he knows when we hear someone is condemned, then we... Rise up in our heart, even the the most devout follower of scriptures knows, man, that is a hard message to receive. Does anyone not have a problem or struggle at some point in your life? Anyone not bothered a little bit by that? I mean, all of us know man, that's hard to receive, but and i don't want to I don't want to misuse the events of of what went on in Oregon this week but but let it teach us a lesson: none of us struggle. To think that that shooter should be condemned. That his condemnation is just. We don't struggle with that. Because we know. He deserves to be punished for that. What we struggle with is this. Listen to me. We. Are in the same condition. As him. Apart from Christ. And that's the problem. That's there lies a struggle. That's what's hard to believe. And that's what Paul has been working on. Is It's hard to, it's hard to believe that I'm in the same con- condition as that guy apart from Christ. Because I'm not shooting anybody. I had not done that. I had not done anything remotely close to that. In fact, I've planted a church. That's opposite in the spectrum. Surely that deserves something from God. And he says, no. Your condemnation is just. Whether you're this end or that end. It doesn't make you right with God. Only Christ makes you right with God. And so he's going to work through some resistance that we have to the fact that God condemns sinners in these verses 1 through 8. And he's going to do it with some kind of some objections he raises. And it gets a little confusing, but I'm going to try to try to... Word my points in a way to help us just apply the message even if we're not fully following it. But I am going to work through the verses. And I hope you're working through this in your community groups and in the material we send. And you're reading along so that you can see I'm not just making this stuff up. But if all else fails, I think you will see the clear point. Their condemnation of all sinners is just. And we need faith in Christ to have that condemnation poured out on Christ instead of us. So, first of all, we're going to look at three reasons God is just in his condemnation. You're going to love this. God is just in his condemnation of unbelieving Christians. I'm wording it that way to make the point. That should go half of you should be going, "Do what? Unbelieving Christians? How is that possible?" What I'm saying is that Paul is addressing Jews who were born Jews But he's saying, but you did not trust in the Jewish Messiah. And so for them to be a Jew and not believe in the Jewish Messiah is the equivalent of you being born a Christian but not believing in Christ. It's the equivalent of you and I saying, I was born in a Christian home, baptized in a Christian baptism. Baby dedication was a Christian baby dedication. I was a a, a Christian in all sense of the world, the term that I was born Christian. And he's going, you can't be born Christian. You have to be born again Christian. You have to trust in Christ to be a Christian. And so to you who are an unbelieving Christian, he says... As pretty as we are in our religion, your condemnation is just as just as, you, as the atheist or as the, the outright wicked person. So let's work through that, because that's hard to swallow. So the first reason we see is, number one, God is just in his condemnation. You had so many advantages. You had so many advantages. Surely your condemnation is just when you rejected Christ. So, Romans 3, 1 and 2, he says, Well, then what advantage has the Jew? Or what is the benefit of circumcision? Paul says, Great, in every respect. First of all, they were entrusted with the oracles of God. So, this question is responding to the fact... They said, Well, what advantage has the Jew? Well, where would that come from? Well, in the previous verses, he said, Your Jewishness doesn't make you right with God. And so, their natural response would be... Well, then what advantage was there to being a Jew? If I tell you, being born in a Christian family, participating in Christian baptism, memorizing the Christian scriptures, planning a Christian church, does not make you right with God the likelihood is that some of you would then. the very next thought will be, then what advantage was there to being born in a Christian home and being raised in a Christian church and being a part of a Christian baptism and memorizing the Christian scriptures? And Paul says, oh, there's great advantages to that. You had the word of God and you don't see the advantage? You had a family teaching you the scriptures. You don't see the advantage? You had all these advantages that were meant to point you to faith in Christ. And that's the question that you come up with? You see, this question reveals the unbeliever's hardness of heart. Think about it. And I tell you that you're not a Christian because of all these Christian advantages. The question that rises in your heart is, well, then what advantage is there? Not the question, why didn't I take advantage of those advantages? You see what happens? The unbelieving heart does not have a category for their own guilt and sin and responsibility and culpability in their condemnation. The right question should be, well, how in the world did I miss it? Why didn't I take advantages? Why didn't I read the scriptures? Why didn't I see that I should trust in Christ? That's not the question being asked. The question is, well, then what advantage was that? So Paul is revealing to us under that question is that hardness of heart. This is exactly what we see going on in Genesis 3 at the fall. In Genesis We see the creation of Adam and Eve and all the blessings. And God says, just trust and obey me and enjoy my creation and fill the earth with worshipers. All you got to do is trust me. All the blessings are yours. All the advantages are yours. They failed to trust God. They took it in their own hands and they disobeyed God. God comes to them and says, all right, what do you have to say for yourself? What does Adam say in Genesis 3, 12? The woman whom you gave me did this. The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the tree, the fr- from the tree and I ate. What advantage was this woman to me that you said was going to be such a blessing? This is supposed to be my helpmate. Look what she did. Did not help me. She tempted me. She said, This fruit looks good and we should not trust you. It's not my fault. I thought you said she's going to be a blessing. And what does she say? The Lord God then said to the woman, What is this you have done? And she said, It is the serpent. The servant deceived me and I ate. Well, the verse has already told us. She said, this looks good. We don't take culpability. We don't own our own guilt. We deflect and we play the blame game. And that's what this question does. With all the advantages that we have in the word of God in the Christian home and the Christian parenting and the Christian upbringing and the Christian uh, baptisms and teachings about baptism, what do we do? We, we don't see our guilt. We don't see our own condemnation. All we can say is, well, if that doesn't make me right with God, well, then surely there's a problem here, and it's not me. Why in the world did you do all that if it didn't make me right, God? In response, Paul says, oh, great in every respect you were entrusted with the oracles of god god in his word reveals his himself magnifies himself and he gives us very clear revelation of what is going on it's not just like a tree a tree reveals there's a creator but in the scriptures he says now let me explain and you having that right here in black and white letters what an advantage to know how to make sense of reality. And it all points ultimately to Jesus. It's screaming, faith in Jesus. You need righteousness as a gift. Trust in Jesus. So when we hear that the Christian upbringing doesn't make us Christian, if our only response is to question the benefit of our Christian upbringing, this only serves to justify the truth that we deserve condemnation. God has given you all these advantages to point you to faith in Jesus Christ. It is not anyone else's fault if you don't take advantage of it. God's condemnation is just. You have so many advantages. Second, we see... God is just in his condemnation. It displays God's righteousness is the way I'm wording this. This is a very challenging section to explain, but hopefully we'll we'll work through it. He, he then kind of goes to the next logical question. Well, what then if some did not believe? I'm in verse 3. What then if some did not believe? Their unbelief will not nullify the faithfulness of God, will it? So, the idea is, so, wait a minute. If people are unbelieving and people are condemned, how can God be faithful? I thought God said he was going to bring restoration through the Jews. And now you're telling me the unbelieving Jews are condemned? Somebody's lying. That's what he's saying. Somebody's lying. Someone's not keeping their word here. Does this make God... Unfaithful? Does this make God a liar? A liar is what? Someone who doesn't keep their word? Someone who doesn't keep their promises? And so in verse 4, he says, May it never be. Rather, let God be found true. God's not a liar. God's found true, though every man be found a liar. And then he quotes a psalm that we're going to look at. So, Paul is saying, no the fact that some people are, are being condemned because of their lack of faith in Christ, that doesn't make God a liar. You don't measure God's faithfulness by the human response to it. God's faithful, period. Even if everyone rejected Him, God is faithful. And he quotes this psalm of David. Now, this is a psalm when David... It says in in the scriptures, it tells us what was going on during the psalm. It says, this is a psalm when when Nathan the prophet came to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Now, what's that story? King David, king of these Jews that we're dealing with in these scriptures, looks over and lusts with his heart upon a woman named Bathsheba, and he goes and commits adultery with her. And not only that, to make matters worse... He sends her husband off to be killed in war. So he has him killed. Now, is his condemnation just? Paul quotes the psalm of David saying this, Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions. I own them. I'm wrong. And my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight. And here's what he quotes in our text today. So that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. God, David says, you are right. You are just to condemn me, but behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. I am guilty. I have always been guilty. And in my sin, in sin, my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire the you desire truth in the innermost being and in the hidden part. You will make me know wisdom. Purify me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. You wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. This is the proper response to sin. Paul's breaking our bones right now with our we are condemned all of us and it's just. And the desire is that we see that and admit that and turn to Christ and say, Christ takes my condemnation on the cross and he gives me his righteousness as a gift. So I pray that's what's going on in your heart. Whether it's the first time you get it or the thousandth time that you're looking to Christ and saying, I deserve to be condemned. I am a sinner. And it's right for me to be condemned. So praise God that he gives me the gift that that condemnation, that wrath that I deserve is poured out on Jesus on the cross. And I receive that righteousness as a gift. And it levels us all on the same playing field. I believe what Paul is saying in these verses is basically the same thing that Jesus says in Luke 3.8. Listen to what Jesus says in Luke 3.8. As he sees these unbelieving Jews coming up to him in their religious righteousness, thinking that they are right with God because they are a child of Abraham. That's equivalent to you saying, I'm right with God because I was born a Christian. As they come up to Jesus, he says, Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. Show a change of heart, a trust in Jesus the Messiah And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you, Jesus says, for I say to you, from these stones, God is able to raise up children of Abraham. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying to Christians who come to Jesus saying, hey, baptize me. I'm I was born a Christian. I was born to Christian parents. He says, You need a heart change. You need a complete radical transformation from the inside out, one that is produced by faith in Christ. I can raise Christian parents and Christian kids and that kind of Christian parents from a rock. I don't need you to bring that to me. That would make you right with God. In fact, the question underlying this question to the Jews, he's saying, "What the reason they're calling God a liar or questioning God's faithfulness is they're saying, but you said you were going to use the Jews to bring reconciliation to the earth. And if they're not believing, then is God a liar? Because he said he was going to do that. And he's saying, oh, yeah, God's going to do that. Trust me, they're not going to stop God. Their unbelief ain't going to stop God's plan. He can bring up children from any from a rock. He can make the rocks cry out and worship Him all over the planet. It doesn't make God a liar. They're liars, and God is just in condemning them. And so it's it's a hard message for us today. In fact, he's kind of insinuating this idea that the more liars and more sinners there are, and the more they stick their hand up at God and say, you know, make God try to answer that. When He finishes this process, all it does is magnify His righteousness, magnify His glory. In His condemnation of rebels and re- those who reject Him, His righteousness actually is magnified. So God is just in His condemnation, it actually displays God's righteousness. Finally, God is just in his condemnation. God is not unrighteous, you are. I mean, this is what Paul's saying to us. God is just in his condemnation. It's not that God is unrighteous. You are. I am. You are. We are. Apart from Christ, he's saying it's not God's unrighteousness the problem. It's it's you. It's your problem. Verse 5, he says, but if our unrighteousness demonstrates the righteousness of God, that's how he's summarizing everything that we've been saying. Okay, so, so let me get this straight. Paul's saying, all right, so everything you just said, the unbeliever says, all right, so my condemnation magnifies the righteousness of God. So if our unrighteousness demonstrates the righteousness of God, where's he going with this? So, so when I do unrighteous things, and I'm judged for that. That magnifies his righteousness. Have you heard this from anyone and you've been raising as parents? whoa, wait, whoa, wait, whoa, wait. Whoa. So, so what you're saying is, when I do bad and you punish me, it makes you look good. I got an idea here. This is what the unbelieving heart does. It starts to spin It starts to twist it. If our unrighteousness demonstrates the righteousness of God, well, what shall we say then? Paul says, the God who inflicts wrath is not unrighteous. If you're insinuating that God is unrighteous, you're wrong. God is not unrighteous. I'm speaking in human terms here. May it never be. For otherwise, how will God judge the world? See, he's talking to Jews who know that God will judge the world. And he's saying, you know God judges the world. If he judges the world, he can't be unrighteous. So if you think your your unrighteousness shows his righteousness, so he's unrighteous for punishing me, It's like you know better than this. And so we start to see this downward progression of their twisting of their thoughts because they've suppressed the truth. verse seven, but if but if through my lie, the truth of God abounded to his glory, well, why am I still being judged as a sinner? If when I lie, it shows his truthfulness, well, then why are you blaming me? I'm showing how good God is by being bad. I mean, really? And that's when Paul says, okay, wait a minute here. Now, as as we are sometimes slanderously reported and and some claim that we say, what you're saying is, well then let us do evil that good may come. That's stupid. That's what he's doing here. He's like, seriously? Do you see how warped you've gotten when you suppress the truth? You're now saying the incomprehensible statement. These are two Opposites that can't exist. You can't say, let's do evil that good may come. It's insane. And then he just sums it up. You know what? Their condemnation is just. That's it. Their condemnation is just. That's enough. I'm done with this nonsense. So we see the downward progression of the unbelieving heart when they suppress the truth. See, see these guys did not reject God thinking they were wrong. Nobody does that. No one says, "I'm going to reject God because I am dead wrong." We think we're right. And he's saying you don't you don't realize where you're going with this. It's foolishness just like that person outside the church who is suppressing the truth and And I've said to you that 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 suppression of the truth has led to the darkening of their minds and their hearts that they just have gone rampant into ungodly behavior and sin. He's saying the same thing is happening with you religious people. When you reject the truth that you are unrighteous and need righteousness as a gift, you're getting into this crazy, foolish thinking that look where it takes you. Let's do evil that good may come. You just can't... Make sense of it. It's foolishness once you've rejected this truth. Your condemnation is just. And if you don't like that, deal with it. Ultimately, his goal here is not to just sit there and bring bad news. He's doing this to say, hey, I'm not judging you. I'm not condemning you. I'm just like you. And that's what I want to say to you. We have tons of guests in here. And I praise God for that. But let me be careful that you're hearing what Paul's point is. This is not Christian pastor pointing finger down at bad people. This is God telling Christian pastor and all of us, if you don't trust in Christ, you are condemned. You need Jesus, that's the point. Trust in Jesus. And the beauty of this gospel is it puts us all in the same field. That when you walk in this door, I promise you, we're not sitting there going, are they good enough to be here? Because you're not, and neither are we. Nobody is good enough to be right with God. That's what we're all about. That's what defines us is the realization, I am condemned, I deserve it, praise God, my condemnation was poured out on Jesus, and he gave me righteousness, now I'm right with God, hallelujah, praise God, I'm going to sing about it. That's what's going on in here. Hey, I just kind of sang in a sermon, hallelujah. So that's the idea, is that when we realize where we are, we're in a position to worship. And to accept each other unconditionally. And that's a beautiful place to be. So we need to accept the fact that your condemnation, my condemnation is just. And then we need to say, well, what am I going to do about this? And that is, let the condemnation be poured out on Jesus and he'll give you his righteousness. God is just in his condemnation of unbelievers, whether they are unbelievers in the form of atheists or unbelievers that are very moral, or unbelievers who are very religious, if they think this makes them right with God, it doesn't. All are guilty of rejecting God, and in our suppressing of the truth, God is just to condemn us. If you are an unbelieving Christian, if you are an unbeliever born in a quote-unquote Christian family and done a lot of Christian things but you're not trusting in Christ for righteousness, Paul is saying you are condemned just as much as the wickedest person you've ever seen. But he has good news. Righteousness is a gift to everyone. Everyone who believes believe in Christ today and be declared right with God let's pray together God these are hard messages we 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 don't, we don't want to hear this we want to deflect it we don't want to receive it but i pray that this morning all over this room hearts were convicted Not because of anything that we see in ourselves that we want to condemn others, but because upon realizing that we are condemned for our sins and God is just to do that, then and only then are we able to and willing to trust Christ alone for our salvation and our righteousness. So, Lord, I pray that as we sing these songs all over the room, that the words of your scriptures will fall heavy on hearts and that individuals will call out to you and say, Yes, Jesus, I need your righteousness. I admit it. I am condemned for my sin, even if it's my sin of trying to be really good Christian person to make myself right. And that you will reach down into many, many people's lives today and bring about a transformation of their heart that, that we call being born again, new life, the Spirit of God taking residence in their heart, in their life, taking over their life and producing godliness in their life that is genuine, genuine God-glorifying obedience of faith. Lord, I pray that you would do that very powerfully through the power of your spirit during this song. And I pray that after the song, if you've had such a conviction in your heart that you would please come talk to me or Granger. Talk to someone in this church. Talk to us. Let us know so we can love you and walk alongside you. It's in Christ's name we pray.